Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. What's your favorite all-time conspiracy theory? We talk about conspiracy theories all the time, and especially lately in the news, yes. Which brings me to Shadowland. I can't wait to see this. It's uh, debuting today on NBC's Peacock Streaming Services, first episode premiering today. And that brings us to, we're just thrilled to have award-winning filmmaker. This guy's a legend. Joe Berlinger joining us today. This is your docu-series. Tell us about it, Joe. Hey, Don. How hey. are you? Thanks for having me. Um, well, you know, I've been, I've been fascinated by conspiracy theories and the nature of truth for a while. And then I uh, read uh, online there was a, a project by the Atlantic magazine called Shadowland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did some really good reporting on the nature and origin of conspiracy theories. So I kind of used that as a jumping off point to uh, explore this topic a little deeper because the nature of truth is something that I think is uh, really attacking the foundations of, of our society, not to sound you know, dramatic, but I do think, you know, a healthy functioning democracy is based on on the acceptance of some basic truths. And yes. we have seen conspiracy thinking migrate from the fringes of society to the mainstream. Yes. Um, and I think that I think that is an invitation towards the, the crumbling of a functioning democracy and invites uh, authoritarianism to take hold when you can't agree upon the truth. And so instead of doing the usual, just pointing a finger and saying these people are terrible for because they believe this, uh, I sent a I sent a, a team of filmmakers out to different parts of the country to really embed with people who believe differently than we do, uh, uh, and to understand why and how they come to believe these things, and to try to figure out how we can all kind of come together and and start talking again, uh, because we are a very divided society. Yes. You know, I wanted to know how seemingly average people get caught up in the kinds of conspiracy theories that have taken hold in the U.S. and, you know, without mm-hmm. demonizing them. Yep, yep, we have a clip of the trailer, so let's listen in. A conspiracy theory is a theory that there is someone bigger that is pulling the strings. There are wealthy, powerful families that control everything. The Nazis are coming. They're here. 
Our elections were stolen. You devil worshiping Satanist witch! The rule of law in this country has been eliminated! There's money to be made here. People are dying that don't need to. They are trying to manufacture anger. I lost everything I ever worked for. I miss my dad all the time. This is really pulling people in. I'm never going to talk to him again. So just giving us a, a taste of this, but it, it looks great. I mean, I think, do you think, you, have you already had, I mean, it's all over social media as we talked to Joe Berlinger, um, award-winning documentarian and, and film producer. Tell us a little bit about some of the reaction that you're getting so far. Um, well, we, we, you know, uh, it and hasn't I know it's come early. out yet. Yeah, I know it hasn't come out yet, but the trailer is out there. Our, okay, so let me yeah. back up. The trailer's out there, and that's what I was talking about. It's a great trailer. Yeah. So are you already feeling, you know, getting reaction from probably both sides? Because we could yeah. look at one side or the other. And that's what's that's what I love that you're looking. Yeah. At, here's what I love. And just so you know, my background is I wanted to be a journalist since I was eight years old. And so with me in a longtime news career, more recently going to, to talk radio, but I television news was always my thing up until fairly recently. So I always say there is nothing more delicious than the truth and so it's it's unfortunate <laughs> to me when we when we have media bias where, wherever that bias is because just just tell it like it is because there's nothing better yeah. than that and we can all yeah. handle the truth so yeah well that know, yeah so i mean in fact i i i trace conspiracy you know the problem of conspiracy thinking going mainstream is partially a media creation that we are all responsible for there was a time you know when i was a kid when there was you know a handful of television networks and there was a a wall between the news division and the entertainment divisions mm-hmm. and reporting the news was the benefit that the American people got because the FCC was granting a network a license and the profit making for that network was in the on the entertainment side then the you know the whole cable universe exploded uh 24 hour news cycle became a thing uh and the wall between news and entertainment f- fell down and mm-hmm the lines have have become very blurry. So we've seen a proliferation of opinion as news. Then then you bring social media into it, you know, this incredible thing. You know, like I'm looking at my iPhone. I still think my iPhone is a miracle, you know. When I was a, when I was a, when I was a kid, the only personal communicators that there were were on Star Trek and it was a thing of science fiction. So like my, you know, somebody today, you know, you have so much information immediately available at your fingertips, but the irony is a lot of that information is unreliable and so the truth has never been more elusive about many many things for people. And this amazing device and the internet has been a conduit for for people with like-minded interests to connect with one another and to come together, and that's a great thing. But the downside to that is that it has brought people together and has amplified, uh, you know, certain conspiracy theories. And and news has for people has has become 
confirming their own biases as opposed to objective reporting. Obviously, there's lots of good news reporting. I'm not saying all news, but, you know, there is such a glut of information and unreliable information that there's a good reason that a lot of people believe, um, you know, things that aren't objectively true. And I lay a lot of the blame, too, at, you know, there are politicians and people in power who knowingly exploit people's susceptibility towards conspiracy theories for their own financial and political gain. Yes. I mean, there are people in Congress who know better, trust me. Yes. <laughs> and yet they know they know they have to cater to uh, a certain audience that can vote for them. And I think this is this is, you know, these are the seeds of really the ruination of American democracy. You know, I agree with you just to take you back just for a heartbeat you know, I'll, I remember early in my career as a cub reporter at CBS News in Chicago, the CBS O&O station, I was blessed to know uh, Gene, the late, great Gene Siskel with member Siskel and Ebert. And so Gene yeah. was this brilliant, wonderful guy. And he had, you know, he one day put this spread and probably knew at that point that he had brain cancer. He tragically died of, um, you know, at 53 in 1999 of a, a brain tumor. But Gene brought out this great spread. And he said, for those of you like young cub reporters, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you don't you'll never know the the industry, the news industry, the way the rest of us knew it. And he was referring to what you're talking about, the, the beginning. It had already begun, obviously. But that's what he was talking about, Joe, was that unfortunately yeah. it used to be that in newsrooms you would in other words you were sent to the story and you covered the story and those newsrooms were held as sacred and really forms of pride of even if a, a corporation owned them that that they were it was prideful that that news organization was autonomous and not answering to the so-called bean counters you know but somebody then figured out Oh, wow, this news, we can do cheap and easy. We can cover fires and crime and crack houses, and it's cheap and easy content because it's free. In essence, victimizing victims, if you will, especially in big cities like Chicago. And, and ultimately, Gene foresaw that in his brilliance. And I always think of him when, when you eloquently talked about what has happened in the news industry. And I am curious as I watch places like CNN, for example, because I think CNN hopefully is trying to return to a time when we're just proud of reporting the facts and reporting the news. That's my hope. And yeah. I'm very hopeful for that. But, and, you know, I want to point out that I talked about today, September 14th, is when, you know, Peacocks is doing this Doc Fest. So the Doc Fest is the on-platform showcase highlighting the selection from the streamer's top-tier documentary roster. So that's what launches today, obviously. I know yours... So it'll be every Wednesday they'll drop a new one. So I just want to point yeah, that our, out. And, yeah, yeah, and our show our show premieres September twenty first. Yes, so we have to because I because we have a very loyal audience, and they'll all tune in and say, "Dawn, we didn't see Joe's work. We didn't see the conspiracy theory <laughs> stuff." But it's a pretty cool. You know, I love the the idea of this as a doc fest. What what do you hope in this to achieve? In other words, because you're not. One of the problems, Joe, is that I think as we talk to the great Joe Berlinger, one of the problems here is that whole going back to the deplorables. Oh, you. It's sort of the Game of Thrones shame that in the media, we, one side or the other, whether it's, you know, the the right leaning 
um, platforms shaming the left or the opposite. It's not an understanding. And so I, what I'm hearing from you is you want that understanding and to not demonize yeah. individuals. Yeah, I wanted to go out and spend time with people to understand where they're coming from, not to give them, you know, not to, it was a delicate dance. I mean, I want to give people the respect that they deserve as a human being. I want, I promised people that they could express their views, which I, I did. Um, you know, the, the delicate dance is I also don't want to give oxygen to dangerous conspiracy theories. For example, we profile somebody who, who gives out uh, chlorine dioxide for a donation. You know, he says he's not selling it. He gives it for free, but he's getting oh, lots of money in donations. You know, and so, uh, you know, we we certainly have to contextualize some of the content because drinking chlorine dioxide on a daily basis is not a healthy thing to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, so, but on the other hand, I want to understand why people believe. I mean, there's a grain of truth in every conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this country has done a terrible job uh, of giving a kind of a social safety net to the disenfranchised and the poorest and most disadvantaged people in our society, and it's gotten worse. And so when people want a sense of belonging, when they want to feel like, you know, they want an explanation of why their life isn't going well, um, you know, and they want to understand why some people have all the rights and privileges, uh, you know, sometimes they gravitate towards conspiracy thinking. You know, of course, this country is also going through a much needed you know, reckoning about seeing things through a multicultural perspective. Uh, And that's all good and important, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But, you know, when people feel disenfranchised and and feel powerless and feel like the, the, the... odds are stacked against them, they also gravitate towards conspiracy theories. So, you know, it's a very complicated issue for which I don't have any, you know, specific recipe of how to fix, but I just think if we start seeing each other as fellow citizens and and try not to demonize yes. each other, uh, that is that is a good place to start. You know, when you when you treat people as caricatures, uh, when you treat them as two-dimensional and you paint them with a very broad brush, you know, this is when genocide happens. I'm not saying we're headed towards genocide, but we're headed towards deep, deep divisions from which we, we may not return um, unless we start getting a handle on it. Well, Joe Berlinger, thank you so much for your time. And again, Joe's docu-series is part of Peacock's first ever Doc Fest. It will, Joe's part uh, launches September 21st, but the actual Doc Fest drops. It starts today, September 14th. And, uh, will run, what, October 19th, then every Wednesday they drop a new one. It's a pretty cool idea. Joe Berlinger, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Uh, you take care, too. Have a blessed day. So, again, it's Shadowland, part of Peacock's first ever doc. I'm glad we have Peacock. We just uh, we just cut the cord, or we're in the process of doing that. Let me know if you've if you already did that. Everybody else did it a long time ago, but we just, I don't know, we tried to put it off. This is the Dawn Show. We're going to come right back. It's about the economy, stupid. That's the famous quote that uh, the Democrat strategist James Carville had said. It's about the economy, and it certainly is, which is why Republicans, you know, want to talk about the economy because we have a president 
who is a Democrat. It has become politicized, obviously, because this is a winning issue for Republicans who hope to scoop up and sweep up in the upcoming midterms. So let's talk about the latest economic news. Producer price, the producer price index dropped for the second month in a row. So falling a seasonally adjusted, you know, 0.1%. So falling slightly in August after then tumbling the month before. And that's according to the latest report issued by the Labor Department this morning. And so it's important to to look at all of this in context. Obviously, with yesterday's CPI news, the stocks tumbled to the worst day in more than 20 years, uh, knocking the Dow. My goodness, it was down, what, 1,250 points following Wall Street's. It was a you know realization there that inflation is not slowing as everybody hoped and prayed for. And we, I told you earlier that Larry Summers, um, obviously a, a Democrat and a Democratic strategist, and he has said that, unfortunately, this looks like next week the feds will hike the rates and because they, they're trying to you know offset the, uh, the inflation. Nobody is saying the R word, by the way, recession. I, I don't even see that in news copy, which is, which is always, you know, we talk about media bias and credibility. So that. Whatever. Um, I'll just talk about this one for right now. So this index, what does it mean? This morning's index. It means the price, the prices that producers receive for goods. So these are the wholesale prices, basically. So the index minus the more volatile food, energy, and trade services increased 0.2% in August on an unadjusted annual basis. And so ultimately, in August, the the decrease in the index for final demand is attributable, according to experts to the Labor Department, to a 1.2% decline in prices for final demand goods, that from the Labor Department. And that's in contrast to the index for final demand services, which advanced. And so these are, you know, these are more numbers that we're getting this morning as we look at this but ultimately, none of it is great news. And I think we we all were just hoping that it was a little bit better. But of course, for those of us who actually are at the supermarket, I have teenage boys. I am at the supermarket probably at, at least every single day. And if I'm not there, my husband is there <laughs> because we have hungry, growing teenage boys. So for families, especially with kids, you know that you're feeling it. The price of eggs, my husband was so upset with me, I signed up, not, I mean, he, you know, I'm saying it a little rhetorically, but I signed up as a, a vol- to volunteer for the, you know, the football morning breakfast every Saturday morning up at six o'clock, and then all the parents will cook breakfast, you bring, you know, you bring four pounds of bacon, you bring the eggs, so, so much food, I should tweet out the picture. So Larry goes, really, Dawn, you, you volunteered to bring eggs and bacon, three dozen eggs and four pounds of bacon. Really? You know, back in the day, that would be relatively cheap. But now you think about that. I found bacon at, what was it, Acme. It's normally 10 bucks for one pack, but I had a coupon. So I got it for, I think, half price. So I was very proud of myself with the coupon. And eggs, you know, usually I buy the organic or the, you know, now he's like, don't you dare buy those organic eggs because those are in some time, sometimes six bucks for a dozen eggs. And even the ones on sale 
are what the organic price used to be. I mean, double in many cases. It's crazy. Tell me what the craziest price you've seen at the grocery store, if you've noticed. 855-839-1210 is the number to call. So Matt, do I have time to, Matt has so much on the cut sheet and I tend to be, I'm just a chatty Dawny today. You can find me on at Twitter at Dawn Stensland. We talked a lot about Krasner. We talked a lot about crime. Can we not talk about Krasner or crime? Because you know Dom Giordano upcoming was, he's going to have everything on this. You know what I did here? I'm going to go, I'm going to switch gears. Can I go to uh, Joe Manchin? I mean, the, the. The show sheet that Matt, I'm not even kidding, how many pages? 50? It was only 38, 39, 41 pages of stuff. I should just tweet this out so you could. (laughs) Actually, we should have Matt's list and you could every day, you just look at Matt's list and you're fully briefed. But I did hear this interview. I was driving around and I heard uh, the great Brett Baer on Fox News interviewing Senator Joe Manchin. And he talked a lot about what we need to do with the economy. It was a great interview, but let's just isolate this as he he calls out Kamala Harris for talking about the border and saying that our southern border is secure. Listen to this. Vice President Harris said this weekend the southern border is, quote, secure. It's wrong. She's dead wrong on that. And I have said this. If we don't secure it, I voted every time for the wall, but we need the wall a lot more technology, more agents. The 2013 immigration bill was still the best piece of legislation, I think, that we've ever had before us. We couldn't get it passed uh, through the Republican House at that time because of some politics involved there. And they, the amnesty people were, you know, shouting the world amnesty. That piece of legislation would have corrected everything we have going wrong. But for anybody, the vice president, president, anybody say that our borders are secured, that is not accurate. I've been there. It's wrong. It's wrong. Wow. That's Senator Joe Manchin. It was, if you haven't heard it, it was a Brett Baer interview. Talks about the economy, what we need to do, doing the right thing with regard to, for example, um, energy, because it, it all begins with the fuel prices, which are down. Thank goodness. So that's, that's good economic news for us. But, um, you know, talking about all of these progressive policies that are pushing for you know, energy that's so-called clean energy. And that now, I mean, Manchin's saying we've got to do what's right for the economy and and slow that down a bit and, and just, we've got to do it. It's, and he's right. It was a really good interview, I thought. And Brett Baer was tough enough. Uh, talking about the border, and I have to be careful because I have so many off-the-record conversations with people working in different capacities, whether they're a volunteer um, I've mentioned to you that I've talked to nuns who have actually gone to the southern border to help out with children. And you hear these stories. But, you know, we have through FEMA, there are many who I'll just say are in the in a military capacity, whatever that may be. And I've, I've talked to multiple uh, friends and associates, people I've met over time who've told me that they they have been serving down south of the border. One of them quipped, uh, hey, I've spent more time at the southern border than our vice president. <laughs> but also talking, you know, about harrowing situations, pulling the, the bodies of children who drowned in the Rio Grande, talking about the human trafficking, the drugs that are coming over, the concerns. And just talking about the, the level of 
you know, these huge, basically warehouses full of people who are coming into flooding into this country. And it's it's staggering. And I don't understand how any administration can get away with hiding this. I mean, we should have 24-7, we should have cameras. We should be allowed to put cameras up and show the flood of people. And I know we see snippets of it on certain networks that are at certain sites. But I, I think we should have, uh, you know, southern border cam and have them all along the border and just, just you know, record it. Let people just see what's happening. And then you couple that with the fact that we have... You think of not just the drugs, the gangs, the violence coming in, but then think about what we've been through and how in Philadelphia up until this week, school children were told, well, you must wear masks to stop the spread because of COVID, because of the COVID transmission. And how ironic this is that at the same time, and I think you have audio on this, if I'm, if I'm um, correct, Matt. We have audio of, you know, Philadelphia preparing to bring in people from the southern border. And so my question is, well, if we're so concerned that teachers and kids for the first two weeks of school, except for the Head Start kids and the kindergarten kids and teachers and staffers all have to mask up for the entire year. Now, think about this. And yet at the same time, we're bringing people from the southern border, a flood of them reportedly. I don't have the numbers or the confirmation. This is what's being reported. It's in the Inquirer and online and so on. So I tend to believe that, you know, I don't have the numbers, but I tend to believe that, yes, we have people coming here crossing the southern border. So my question is, well, were they wearing a mask coming over? No. Is Are they showing their COVID card? Is there evidence that they're, they're vaccinated for COVID? Quite frankly, the least of things, I'm concerned least that they're vaccinated with COVID what about everything else? Because now we see this resurgence of polio, which is incurable. Did you know that? Polio is not curable. And one in 200 people that struck with it, you are disabled for your life and they can't reverse that. It also kills people, but, you know, we know how to treat it so that it doesn't take your life. But it's a, de- a crippling disease. So do we have their inoculation, as it's called, record, their vaccination proof? That's a a legit question. Listen in. This is a report that Matt pulled on this issue of people who've crossed the border now coming here. There could be migrants heading in buses to Philadelphia. And it's a concern for some local nonprofit organizations in the city that advocates for migrant rights. We have started conversations with organizations already trying to figure out what we what we would do if that happened. Um, we have seen individual families uh, getting to Philadelphia on their own and, uh, you know, being left on the streets. This comes after the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, sent about 9,000 migrants in buses to cities like New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago without allegedly advising its city leaders. Organizations like Casa de Venezuela are calling the governor's actions a political game. And I personally saw a bus uh, in New York uh, dropping off people. And and these people where you can see on their faces that they are that they have fear. According to Stephen Narin, an immigration lawyer at Nationality Services, the migrants who have been sent to these cities in buses are individuals who are seeking asylum. They're in a lawful process. 
they are legally asking for asylum, most of them, and asking to stay in the U.S. Meaning if they arrive to Philadelphia, they will need a lawyer as well as housing in a city that is already struggling to place those on its wait list. It is a matter of providing the basic assistance at the beginning. I personally care a lot about, you know, migrants as an immigrant myself. Okay, I'm going to disagree with one thing in particular that was said in that report, and that was the gentleman saying that when he saw people getting off the buses on televised coverage, they had fear. I disagree with that, and I've looked back just to check, and I've watched some of it live. I've seen it on different channels. But what struck me, and my husband Larry said the same thing, as I watched a lot of these situations where the bus pulls up and you see people getting out, is that these are clean-cut, mostly young men, very clean. The ones who go up to the camera and they want to speak, there are people trying to stop them from being interviewed. And what I noted was, no, 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 they're saying they want to they want to be interviewed. And they're clean-cut young men, and they look like my kids. I mean, as far as they look like clean-cut teenage kids, and they're saying, I'm coming to this country to work. I'm, I'm coming to this country for an opportunity for freedom. And for opportunity. And to me, it, it just struck me that, first of all, they were well-spoken. I've, and I thought at first, you know, are these plants, is somebody planting these kids because they're so well-spoken? But these are, these are kids being sent, presumably, by Governor Abbott in Texas. And I think they're great spokespeople for, for making the case of, hey, I'm a, a teenager, an underage teenager living in an oppressive situation, coming here for a better life. To me, they were very impressive, extremely polite. When they get off the bus, they're shaking hands. They're having eye, you know, I'm a mom of boys. I'm always like, say thank you, shake hands, have eye contact. They're doing all of that. I, to me, the ones that were, that were interviewed, the young, mostly, like I say, young men, teenage boys, very impressive, in my opinion. And some of them looked quite young, but some looked maybe 17-ish, presumably, you know, they're underage. So that's what struck me. They didn't look fear fearful. You know why? Because they're coming from horrifying situations. So whether they're coming from, you know, communism, when they're, whether they're fleeing from Cuba or whether they're fleeing the nightmare that is in Venezuela or South America. And we know dozens of nations, not just South America, and that has raised other concerns as well. But, um, you know, we're, I always follow this and I, and I welcome you if you want to sound off 855-839-1210. We have so much else to talk about, but I wanted you to, to, you know, hear those other stories of the day making news and that Philadelphia, um, apparently we are preparing to receive busloads of migrants coming across the border. The Dawn Show is going to come right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I have an update on Biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan. But first, let me take you to a headline where we've now learned Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat, proudly joined in the party as the stock market was tumbling and we looked at horrible economic numbers. Well, they were throwing a party at the White House. Listen in. And the committee chairs who worked for almost two years to make this law real. And all the House and Senate Democrats who stood together and never, ever, ever gave up. This couldn't have happened without every single one of you. And that's in the literal sense in the Senate. Every single one was required because the other team didn't want to play. And all our distinguished guests, CEOs, advocates, activists, thank you for joining us. And what a great day. Exactly four weeks ago today, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. The single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. I said it then, and I'll keep saying it. With this law, the American people won and special interests lost. Say it again. The American people won and special interests lost. So the White House was throwing this inflation reduction party. And Zilli told you earlier, uh, James Taylor, you know, was was singing and this happening as it was almost like the Titanic, you know, where the orchestra and the violins are playing as the Titanic is sinking. That's what it reminded me of. But because this was as the stocks were crashing over those dismal numbers that were being released by the Labor Department, you know, who cut away because I always talk about the media, CNN which normally would would carry this and would not be critical, CNN actually cut away from that Biden inflation reduction party as the stocks were plunging. So the anchors were covering it and then cut away from it. I thought that was, this is a sign of CNN trying to be less biased and and just cover the news. But you you saw the commander in chief celebrating passage. There were no red lights behind him or creepy lighting or anything Darth Biden ish. But they were celebrating the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, even as the stock market was tanking. And of course, everybody this hit social media, of course, because people were you know very upset on the same day that the federal data was showing that inflation ran at a hotter than expected eight point three percent. In August. So CNN just kind of aired a snippet of it and they put up a split screen calling it unfortunate, unfortunate timing as the Dow was taking a total beating down more than 1,200 points. It was hard to be celebratory, you know, and showing the White House as they were throwing this huge party saying it's it's hard to be celebratory. Oops. So even CNN now is is not really with the president on this one. And speaking of the economy, because even with the 
the Inflation Act, an alleged reduction, a lot of people say that the student loan forgiveness will offset anything that that the intent of that Inflation Reduction Act would have done. And and Joe Manchin said that during the Brett Baer interview last night, in fact. So now we have these governors, half of governors in the United States, sent a letter to President Joe Biden just demanding and saying they fundamentally oppose Biden's plan to force American taxpayers to pay off student loan debt of an elite few, they say. They're Republic, 22 Republicans. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis among them, claiming that Biden's plan would harm low-income families, writing hourly workers will pay off the master's and doctorate, uh, master's degrees and doctorate degrees of high-salaried lawyers, doctors, professors. Simply put, your plan rewards the rich and punishes the poor. So that's the latest headline here that we have. And who also is critical of Biden? You know, George Will, talking about this, he was on MSNBC. He's a Washington Post columnist, George Will. And this was on Monday on Morning Joe. Oh, I've got to get into Morning Joe. He used to be a conservative before he was meekified. So So George Will, listen in. And he talks about what he thinks is going on and the mistakes he thinks Biden has made. There's a small number of Americans who only feel alive when they're angry. Uh, I don't think most Americans are angry. I think they're exhausted and they are they are longing for a, a restoration of normality. Joe Biden's great unforced error was not to realize this. Instead, he embraced the conservative, the uh, progressive agenda of progressives who never embraced him. He endorsed basically the agenda of the Elizabeth Warren of Bernie Sanders wing of the party that got only one in three votes in the Democratic nomination scramble of 2020. Uh, someone is going to come along in either party and say, deep breath, America, calm down. We are not enemies. We must not be enemies to take a line from Lincoln's great first inaugural address. And that person is going to be embraced by the country because most Americans are not tuned into this stuff. Most but, Americans but George, are raising children, going on with their lives. Ad- interrupt. So Mika, because they didn't expect, because George, you know, he he used to be this considered a staunch conservative back in the day when he was on with, um, you know, the great late Cokie Roberts, right? But then he kind of, you know, went more toward the middle, I guess you would say, but you know, and this, so that's what they expected from him. And they didn't expect that he would say that. Oops. I always love when that happens. Do we have time to get to the whistleblowers and all that? Oh, there's so much on the cut sheet. All right. Here's what I have to talk about. You know, I love horse racing and I love horses. I was raised with horses. So the Bet Park Sportsbook and Casino app, it's really everything you want in a digital casino and sportsbook. Join Bet Parks with me now. And it's the only casino and sportsbook app I ever recommend. College football, pro football, so much fun. I love football season. Bet the birds every single week. Bet Penn State, Notre Dame, all your favorite college teams. Bet Parks is also an official betting partner partner of the PGA Tour, live in-game betting. And you can bet on the horse action as it's happening. Bet all your favorite sports, play all your favorite casino games for real money. Just download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, betparks.com. And new users, you make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Your risk-free bet refunded in that site credit 
It's a sports book and casino all in your pocket, all in one amazing app. Of course, you must be 21 in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are covering the latest. Of course, there are two new polls showing an edge for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania Senate race. Mehmet Oz's support is not not enthusiastic for registered, as you know, Republicans. But this is uh, leading the inquirer right now that they're saying that um, CBS News poll released just now shows Fetterman leading Oz 52 percent to 47 percent. But then if you look at what's what's the margin here four ish percent. So it's it's very it's neck and neck. And then the CBS poll also finding that Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who's a Democrat, leads Republican State Senator Doug Mastriano. 55 to 44 percent. Monmouth University poll finds Fetterman, uh, Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor, obviously, was viewed positively by 47 percent of registered PA voters against 42 percent negatively. So that's an interesting one. I just want to give you a late just a headline that we have here. You know, you you don't often hear Supreme Court justices, especially a chief justice, being interviewed. It's it's quite rare, in fact. But Chief Justice John Roberts was, and I, I had alluded to this, but we didn't have the sound just yet. He was interviewed, and this was uh, by two judges from a Denver-based 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals at its conference in Colorado Springs. Listen in as Chief Justice John Roberts at the uh, Broadmoor there in Colorado Springs addressed people who were questioning the actual legitimacy or illegitimacy of the Supreme Court. There is uh, one thing, though, that looking back uh, on the year and how it's been addressed in a number of uh, uh, places that does uh, cause me a little bit of concern. Um, You know, uh, the the court has always decided controversial cases. Uh, The decisions have always been subject to uh, intense criticism. Um, and that is uh, entirely appropriate. Um, uh, that citizens feel free to criticize uh, our opinions and how we do our work. Uh, but lately, the criticism is phrased in terms of, you know, because of these opinions, it calls into question the legitimacy of the court. Um, and I think it's a mistake to view uh, uh, those criticisms in that light. Um, the legitimacy of the court. Uh, uh, rests uh, on the fact that it satisfies the requirements of the of the statute, uh, and that uh, the Constitution needs, as John Marshall put it, somebody to say what the law is, and that's the role of the Supreme Court. And that role doesn't change simply because people disagree with this opinion or that opinion, or disagree with the particular mode of jurisprudence. Um, so obviously, people can say what they want, uh, but. Uh, and they're certainly free to criticize the Supreme Court. And if they want to say that its legitimacy is in question, they're free to do so. But I don't understand the connection between opinions that people disagree with and the legitimacy of the court. Yeah, I mean, well, now you feel all the rest of our pain, I guess I would say. But he's right. He's right. But that's what happens. That in other words, if you disagree with somebody in the grocery store line or whatever, and they know your politics then suddenly you're a deplorable, right? Because you're not a legit person. You don't deserve to have a voice. I mean, that's ultimately... So Justice Elena Kagan had declared... 
she recently had accused the Supreme Court of risking its legitimacy by stepping outside its parameters and becoming too political. So that was interesting that, you know, at Temple, um, you know, at, at, in New York, uh, Temple Emanuel Streaker's Center in New York City, Kagan accused the judges of creating their own legitimacy problems. So I find that unfortunate, you know, that that uh, she said that I and I hope it's taken out of context because we want the Supreme Court to be as friendly as we know they are and to work together. Just interpret the law. But this is uh, this is where we are in America today. And you know what? It's time for me to uh, head home and make make a cake for my son, David, who today, September 14th, turned 16. So happy birthday to my baby, David. He's, he'll always be my baby, even though he's like six foot three and he's huge. But I'm going home to bake a cake. The Dom Giordana Show, it's jam-packed, it's going to be good, and it's up next. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.